0: Yeah, I know that this is what God wants me to speak. I didn't come here for just another sermon. I didn't just come here so that way we could just hear one more thing about the Bible. I came here because Jesus Christ wants to make Himself known to us. And I want to give you guys the theology for missions, okay? I want to give you guys the whole reason for everything I do in missions, okay? And I mean... I used to want every church in the world to be involved in missions. But then I realized that not every church in the world should be involved in missions. I know that God wants to revive churches to His to, to, to the person of Jesus Christ, to the character and the nature of God, and to the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit. A healthy church does missions. Okay, An unhealthy church stops doing missions because they have no, no motivation by which they can do missions. Okay, and so I when when okay on Monday night, I felt like this is the message that God wanted me to speak. And as we were singing, "Oh how He loves us," and as we were as we were singing, I just felt not that not that um, I sensed in that room that people were united in their minds and their hearts to do that which God wanted them to do. do you, you know, God God came at the Tower of Babel to author confusion, okay? <laughs> he came at the Tower of Babel to stop the people from doing what they were going to do. Why? Because he says, if these people are united, there is nothing that can stop them. And he confused the languages. On the day of Pentecost, God shows up, he reverses that confusion and allows people to speak out in, and they're speaking their own language, everybody else is hearing them. So the confusion in the language was gone, Amen. showing that, God wanted to use the church and that nothing could stop them. And so tonight I want to talk about an unstoppable church. Amen. And I've been to many places around the U.S., but I feel like you guys are an unstoppable church. And the only thing that will keep you guys from doing what God's called you to is from losing the vision of Jesus Christ. Okay, so let's get into the theology of missions. Okay, we're going, to, we're going to go back. I talked about this just a little bit on Monday night. Daniel 7:13 through 14 and I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. I like New Living ESV, but they're going to throw up I think um I think we're going to throw up NIV up there. So if I see something different, I'll let, I'll, I'll let you know. Anyways, so um Daniel 7:13 through 14. It says, "As my vision continued that night, I saw someone like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient one and was led into his presence. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Okay. In these, in this passage, okay, these verses are the very reason I do missions. Okay. I am joining in with what God is doing. I am connecting to my Savior and my Lord and helping Him to establish the kingdom that has been foretold from the beginning of time that it would happen. I am an ambassador, an apostle. I am one sent with the Great Commission. Okay? And what's the... I mean, we'll get to there in a second, but this is the reason I do missions. Okay? He was given... Okay, he was led into the presence of the ancient one, but he was given authority, honor, and sovereignty. Okay, he was given all power. So that what? Oh, and over who? All the nations of the world. So that, okay, we gotta listen to that. So that peoples of every race, tribe, and tongue would do one thing, obey him. Another word you can insert there is worship him. Okay, making worshipers and people who are obedient to God, And this is the very foundation of the church, okay? This passage is the foundation of the church, okay? And it also shows the future of the church. This is the identity of Jesus Christ. Jesus uses over and over and over again. In the New Testament, he says, the son of man, the son of man. Every single time he says son of man over himself, he's referring to this passage. To show his authority over the nations, to show his authority over the demonic spirits, to show his authority over the prince of the powers of the air, to show his authority over all mankind, over the weather, over, over the waves, over the wind, over everything. He is the ruler and he has been given all these things for him to command and for him to rule and it will not, and then it says, the best part is his rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. One preacher said this. It's like if, if you stand against this kingdom, it is like a gnat trying to knock his head against a world of granite, expecting that granite to move. Okay? We, Christ, Christ is king, okay? And then it says, and this is the whole reason for the Great Commission. And this, okay, I want to go back to this is the reason, the foundation of the church. We're going to go to Ephesians. I love the book of Ephesians. Okay. Ephesians chapter one, verse 18. Okay. Ephesians chapter one, verse 18. It's, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those who call. My, my Tonight, like Paul, I echo that. Jesus, I pray that tonight we would, we would be flooded with light that we would see you in all of your radiance, and that we would be flooded with hope, that we would be given hope that you are in charge of the earth, that you have a purpose for the church, that you have called all of us to do that which we have been commissioned to do. We are called His holy people, who are His rich and glorious inheritance. That's the definition of the church, but well, let's go actually let may go to another definition of the church, okay? <laughs> It is in it is in First Peter. It says, "For you are a chosen people." First Peter two nine. First Peter two nine. It says, "For you are a chosen people, a royal. Uh, uh, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. He has called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people." Once you received no mercy, now you receive God's mercy. We are the church. This is us. This is the very definition of the church. God called Israel to do this very same thing. Yes. But what did they do? They failed. They looked, they, 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 in some ways, they, they were successful, but more individuals. But as a nation, as a whole, they failed to be this, a nation of priests. Hebrews says that Christ is our high priest, okay, and he makes intercession before God, and he is he is our very hope. And without him, we cannot stand before God. But we are all priests underneath of him. We are like he is Melchizedek. Okay, he and we are a nation of priests serving underneath of Christ. Amen. So going back to Ephesians chapter one, verse nineteen, it says, "I pray that you will understand." At one eight and one nineteen, I also pray that you will understand. This incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. This is the same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the place of honor at God's right hand. Where? In the heavenly realms. What is He referring to? He's referring to Daniel 17, 7, 13-14. Did you hear that? This power that raised Jesus from the dead and who gives us power to believe in Him. Okay, the power that gives us to believe the power that gives us faith to believe in God is the very power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him where? In the heavens at the right hand of God. Amen. Whew. <laughs> now he is far above any ruler or authority or power, okay, or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but in the world to come. God has put all things under what? His authority, okay? Under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things. Now catch this, catch this. Are you ready? He's made him head over all things for the benefit of who? The church, for us. Okay, this, oh my gosh, this makes me so excited, okay? And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. All things, meaning all his saints. He fills us. God is incredible. Christ rose from the dead, okay? We have resurrection power. Have you, have, you ever, have you ever studied in science class or ever watched Nat Geo or, or, or Discovery Channel and ever watched something or heard something or been taught something about a black hole? A black hole is a black hole is incredible. They say it's probably no bigger than the than the size of this bottle cap. Than the size of this bottle cap. But it is so powerful that it sucks planets, stars and everything that gets in within within its gravitational pull, it brings it into it. It is not the size of something that determines its power or value or worth or incredible Vast greatness or its density or anything else. It is the substance by which it is made. Christ Jesus is so powerful. It says, it, 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 hold up. Christ is so powerful that he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Amen. Okay? And you might not, it might seem that the world is so powerful, but the world is like an inflated balloon. It has no substance. It has no power. But Christ is like a rock, a powerful, solid rock. And whatever touches that solid rock will burst if it is not filled with substance. And Satan puffs himself up to make him seem like he's full of substance, but he is not. Okay, and I'm going to go on, okay? Now, by the same authority, by the same power, okay, it says... He has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things. Okay, now when Jesus Christ gives a great commission, how does he start? He says, I have been given all what? Authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, okay, because of my authority, because of who I am, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. The reason we go out and do missionary work is not because people are dying and going to hell. The reason we go out and do missionary work is not because little children are dying from malnutrition. The reason we do not, we go out into the earth is not because of one reason or another. It's not to bring people happiness. If we were out to go out and bring people happiness, that's the definition of humanism. We are not missionaries of humanism or humanistic ideologies or philosophies. We are missionaries of God and we are to go out there to make disciples of Christ because in making disciples of Christ, we bring freedom to captives and we bring people who were dead back to life. We bring the power of God to crush sin in people's life and to lead people into all righteousness. Therefore, go and make disciples all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to do what? He's been given all authority over all the nations of the earth so that what? They might obey him, worship him. And he says, teach them, teach these new disciples to obey, to obey all the commands I have given you, not just to teach, but to teach people obedience, to teach people what it means to follow Christ All the time, at an instant. Not waiting, not waiting to go bury our fathers. Not waiting to, we're not waiting to get all the things in our life in order and put together, but to follow him at the drop of a hat. When he speaks, we answer. We follow. Why was the Samaritan woman one of the best evangelists that's ever lived? She wasn't Billy Graham. She didn't have a reputation. She didn't, I mean, she didn't have a good reputation. Okay? She had a reputation amongst the people. But what made her an evangelist? What made her a missionary was instant obedience. I talked last night on Monday night about Elihu. What did he do? He was simply obedient to God. When he felt the spirit, of God stirring up inside of him, he spoke. And what are we to do? We are to go and obey all the, everything Christ has taught us. Be sure of this, okay? I am with you. What did you just say earlier? I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. So this power, this resurrection power, Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit is with us. Amen. Who raised Christ from the dead? It was the Holy Spirit. The power of God raised him from the dead. I am with you even to the end of the age. Whew. Now I want to go a little bit further in Ephesians, okay? In the book of Ephesians. What is incredible, Okay. This, this, uh, go to chapter three, chapter three, verse seven. No, verse ten, verse ten. Go to chapter three, verse ten, Ephesians. It says, God's purpose in all of this. What does he mean by all of this? Here, earlier he talks about, he talked, in Ephesians chapter two, one through ten, it's the message of the gospel. We were dead in our sins. We were objects of God's wrath, his anger, okay? And guess what? God, even though he was angry with us, he comes and saves us. God comes and saves his enemies. And it says it's by grace and grace alone, it is by God's mercy that you have received this, that he brings you life. And he raised us from the dead. (laughs) Okay? God's purpose, it says, and, and then it says this, and it says that... He raises from the dead, both Jews and Gentiles, to share equally in the riches and the glory of Christ Jesus. And Paul says, I am one to reveal the mysteries of the gospel. And the mysteries of the gospel is this, that he did not think it good that only one nation might be saved, but that all the earth might hear of his glory. Amen. And so he says this, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to do what? To display it's his wisdom. Okay, there it says in the NIV. It says manifold wisdom. What does manifold even mean? Many sided. Okay, many sided. It can mean like it's like it's like a mosaic. It's like a painting. Yeah. It's like a weave, It's like a fabric woven together with many colors. In the New Living, it says it says in he came to display his the church is to display God's wisdom in its rich variety. To all the what? The nations? Does it say nations? That the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the nations of the earth. No. It doesn't say that. It says to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. In the Greek it even adds one more thing. It says to the unseen rulers. To the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, this was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, there's two two other places, two other places in Ephesians where it's talking about the unseen, the the uh, the rulers in unseen places. Okay, and that's in Daniel. I mean, and that's in Ephesians chapter two, verse verse two. Well, I'll start in verse 1, it says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. So God is going to use the church to display his wisdom to who? Spirit. Satan. And all of his minions and all of his followers. He is going, so, I mean, all the nations of the earth cry, ah, what is the church? The church is worthless. People give up on the church because it doesn't operate like a machine. You can't just punch in numbers and make a call. The church is a living organism by which Christ is redeeming the world, okay? He is using the church and he's going to do it, okay? And then it says further on in in chapter 2, verse 7, it says, God will point to us in all future generations as examples of his incredible wealth of his grace and his kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for those who are united with Christ. Verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. Who's his masterpiece? The church is God's masterpiece to show his manifold wisdom in all of its rich variety to all the unseen powers So what does that mean? The powers that are behind ISIS. The powers that are behind alcoholism. The powers that are behind lying and cheating and divorce and homosexuality and whatever else. God is going to use the church to redeem people. To show Satan how the lies he has been sowing from the beginning of time. From the time of Adam and Eve. He said, Satan said this. I will I will show you. If you eat this fruit, you will see both life. You will know life and death. They already had life. Christ is going to erase the death and bring back the life Amen. which we once knew Amen. by the power of the church. Okay? So moving on just a little bit. I'm going to speed this up. Okay? It says a final word. I'm going talking about the, this is now the third place in Ephesians where it talks about this. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm Against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Ephesians starts out, it talks about how we were delivered from the powers of the unseen world. It then talks about how those who are delivered become the church, and the church will display God's wisdom, his freedom. His resurrection power to those unseen, to the unseen, to the rulers in the unseen world. And then it says, thirdly, be on guard. Because once we we are not just delivered from it, but we're in battle against it till the day that we die. Many Christians, we, we, we don't realize we are in a spiritual battle for our minds, for our souls, for our nation, for our church, for our brothers and our sisters. We are at war. And Satan, once we, once he has lost control of us, once, he, once we have entered into the kingdom of God, you know what he tries to do? He tries to emasculate our ability to reproduce the kingdom of God in other people. By what? Destroying our testimony. Destroying who we are as a church. By causing infighting and disunity and quarrels. Satan is trying to destroy the church. And Paul says, yes, you've been delivered. Yes, God is going to use you to display his wisdom, but be on guard. You know who had to be on guard? Okay, it says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the times of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Okay, I want to I go. Christ is our example, right? Christ is our leader. Christ is who we are to look to. I love examples. I love what Christ does in Matthew chapter four. I'm sorry I'm going around here and there, but I'm bringing it all together. Okay. A voice from heaven. Okay. No, hold on. Let me go further back. Matthew chapter three, (laughs) verse 16. Okay. I love this. I love this. I love this. And I never noticed this before, but it is so good. Okay. I never noticed this before about a year ago. And I caught it. And I was like, wow. It says, as Jesus came up out of the water, this is at his baptism, the heavens were opened and the, and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Now, just a few verses on, but in the scriptures, 40 days on, Jesus has been in the desert. He's weak. He's weary. He might be starting to be forgetting that day he was baptized. That day the voice from heaven called down to him and spoke to him. And it says, Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God. I want you to catch that little word, if. He wanted him to perform a miracle based on insecurity, based on doubt in who he was. Satan will oftentimes try to get the church to do missions, to do church, to do good things, not based on who we are in Christ, but out of an insecurity. Out of another reason than Christ Jesus Himself, and other than the words that we have been given from heaven through the Bible. So what does he do? He says, Satan says, He says, If you are the Son of God, turn these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told them, No, no, no. The scriptures say. Now what, what did Ephesians just say? How do we how do we put how do we stand against the devil? By putting on the belt of truth, he knew the truth. God told him who he was, and he did not back down from that. He says, in the whole body armor of God's righteousness, okay? For shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news. What was the good news? He is my father, and I am his son. That you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil put on the put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit which is the word of god paul didn't just come up with that he got it from the example jesus laid out here but what i want to go i want but this okay he first tries to get him in, uh, to do a miracle okay based out of an insecurity but then let's go to the third miracle okay in verse eight, it says, next the devil took him to the, hot, to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the earth, all the nations of the earth. Whew. Okay, you ready? Satan says, I will give it all to you. Satan says, I will give it all to you. But was it Daniel 7, 13 through 14 saying, he already owns it. He already has it. Satan will always try to get you and me to, thi- to think that he can give us something. His lie from the beginning with the fruit was I can give you something by listening to my voice. He tries to tempt Jesus. <laughs> he tries to tell Jesus, if you kneel down and worship me here, the point Jesus already has dominion and authority over all the nations of the earth. Do I have a pen? Where's a pen? Here it is. You see this? What if let's say this is the creation we know as time? Did you know creation is time? I mean, time is creation? It's not that something that's always existed. And God exists simultaneously at the beginning of time, in time, and at the end of time. God is not bound to time. So what does that mean? What Christ did in time. Secures him as God, as ruler, as king, before time ever began, when time was, and after time is over. Jesus is king and powerful. And so Satan comes to me and says, if you were bow down and worship me, I'll give it all to you. Avoid the cross. Avoid suffering. Avoid taking on all the sins of mankind, and you can have it now. In America, we want to have all that Jesus wants to give us now. Right now. But we don't want to go through the process of discipleship and the process of learning and the process of growing to become more like Jesus. We want to avoid the trials. We want to avoid the, um, the discomforts. We want to avoid all of that and just enter into this bliss. Christ secured our positions in Him. But He also wants us to demonstrate that through discipleship, through learning, through preaching, through all these things. But what I love is what Jesus says to Satan. He says, Get out of here, Satan. For the Scriptures say, You must worship the Lord your God and serve only Him. I used to think He was telling Satan, Worship Father God. But what He was actually saying is, You're telling me to worship you. It is you that must worship me. So when Satan tries to tempt you and tries to, tries to get you to stumble into sin and says, you'll really be satisfied if you do this. You'll really be fulfilled if you do this. If you commit this sin or that sin or whatever other sin, you'll be fulfilled. Say no, Satan. Christ has already given me all the fulfillment and all the desires I would ever need. And in Him I am complete. In Him I am perfect. And I do not want to sacrifice my position in the church and my divine calling given to me before time ever began Amen. to display His marvelous, glorious wisdom to you. So let's go forward in time. At the end of time, it says, it has come at last. Revelation 12, 10. Not Revelations. Revelation 12. <laughs> okay. Revelation 12, 10. Then at last I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. And this said, it has come at last salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ for the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to the earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night and they have defeated him by what? The power of his blood and by their testimony and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens. Why do the heavens need to rejoice? Because he who was the rulers in the unseen world in the heavens has been cast down to earth. And he has... I talked about Job and Satan coming before God and saying, You see your servant Job? You see how awful he is? You see how he's... Sur- and, 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 God's like, do you see him? And he's like, well, the reason, this is the reason. He won't be able to give any excuses for why we serve Christ. He'll be cast down to earth. Matthew 24, 14, it says, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations of the earth will hear it and then the end will come. Let's go down a little further. we talk about Jesus is coming back tomorrow. Well, one quarter of the world doesn't even know who Jesus is. Amen. When Jesus comes, it says, it says, uh, sorry, let me go back up. For as lightning flashes, this is verse 27, chapter 24, verse 27, for as lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so will be when the Son of Man comes. Just as a gathering of vultures show there is a carcass nearby, so these signs will indicate that the end is near. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. The powers in the what? Heavens. Heavens. Satan will be shaken. He will be taken from the place he's always been, in the comfort zone he's always had. And he will be shaken from that place. And then at last the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens. And there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And then we will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. Coming on the clouds of what? Daniel 7, 13 through 14. Here it is again. The Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. Just like Daniel saw. He's coming. He's coming. And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet. And they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world. From the farthest ends of earth and heaven. But it said, it said, first up in verse 14. That the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the earth. As a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Because here it says, his elect. It's not that every tribe, everyone in every tribe is going to get saved but there will be a remnant. There will be those God has called yes. and predestined to be with him from the beginning of time. And those people will be brought out to worship him for all of eternity. And he's called them and he loves them. And he will send his angels to gather them. And then let's go back to Revelation 7, 9. This is the, the finality, who Christ is says, after this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count from every nation, tribe and language and people standing in front of the throne and before the lamb. They were clothed in white robes. What does that mean? They are pure, spotless, and they held palm branches like on the, like the triumphal entry of Christ. They're holding palm branches. Hosanna, Hosanna. Okay. And they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And all the all the angels are standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings. And they fell down before the throne with their faces to the ground and worship God. And they said, They sing, Amen. Blessing and glory and what? Wisdom. And thanksgiving and honor. And power and strength belongs to our God forever and ever and ever. They're saying, You are wise in redeeming us. Your wisdom. You were wise in rejecting Satan when he tempted you. You were wise in picking up the cross. You were wise in coming to earth. You were wise in using us to reach the nations. Your wisdom is now displayed for all to see, and Satan has no voice. It has been stolen. The accuser's voice has been stolen. The liar. He has nothing anymore. Power, oh power, glory, and honor to him who is able to keep us. Book of Jude, end of the, end of the book. Let me go there. Let me go there. You're going to go there. The book of Jude only has one chapter, so... But verse... Verse 24, it says, Now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away, and will bring you with great joy into His glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to Him who alone is God, our Savior through Christ Jesus our Lord. All glory... Majesty, power, and authority are His before all of time and in the present and beyond all time. What did I say? Time is a creation. His authority was there before all time began. In the present time, no matter what time we find ourselves in and beyond all time. He has authority. He always has, always will, and is in full control. And the amazing thing is that he wants to use you and me. From the beginning of time, God has wanted to redeem the earth. When Adam and Eve fell, he's been working to redeem the earth. Abraham, he called Abraham, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you a great nation. And I am going to bless all the nations of the earth through you. So it wasn't that God is saying, "Oh, you're my chosen nation; there is no other." I am choosing you to use you. Yes, it's always been that way. And, God, and 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 Jonah missed this. Jonah, God wants to use him to bless a nation, to bless Nineveh, and what does he do? He runs from that call. God wants to use the church. And you know what's crazy? God doesn't have another plan. God doesn't have another plan. He has called us to do what? The work of the ministry. And he has given apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers to equip who? You. Not them go do the work of the ministry. They've given them, God's given them to you to bless you, to raise you up, to equip you, to do all that God had called you to do before time ever began. He wants to use us. If God had a plan B, that means plan A is either inept, insufficient, incapable, If you've given up on the church, you've given up on the heart of God. God wants us to believe that there is no other entity by which he is going to use to bring the gospel forward. He is not going to use the UN. He is not going to use the Red Cross. He is not going to use the, the Millennium Challenge. Thank you, Bill Gates. You're building roads in Tanzania and I appreciate that. But he is not going to use Bill Gates to reach the world. He is using us, you and me. Humble servants. There is nothing in us. And somehow, some way, this guy who has all authority, honor, and power, and dominion over all the nations of the earth, decides to call all of us his bride. Amen. And he decides to call all of us into covenant relationship with him. There's commitment, promise. And he has promised all these things. Abraham, God calls him into a covenant. And we are children of Abraham because of our faith in Christ Jesus. He calls Abraham to make a covenant with him. And he tells Abraham, cut up a bowl, divide it into 10 pieces and make an avenue by which I can pass. Now in those times when you made a covenant with somebody, you did that and was many times between you and a Lord or you and a king or you and someone of higher position and you said, I will fulfill. I will fulfill my end of the bargain. And the other guy said, I will fulfill my end of the bargain. And whoever doesn't fulfill their end of the bargain will be chopped up just like this bull. And so what does God do? He tells Abraham, cut up the bull. And then, does he ask Abraham to go through it? But who goes through it? God. God. God made covenant with Abraham, knowing that Abraham was going to fail, knowing his descendants were going to fail, knowing that they were going to fail, and still choosing to make covenant with them. And what does it mean? When they failed, who got cut up? Who got crucified? Son of God. He made covenant with us, even though we couldn't fulfill our end of the bargain. Talked about utilitarian Christianity. God doesn't just woo us and use us because he wants to simply get something done. He's calling a church to become like he is. So that way we can be Jesus to those who don't even know him. Amen. And we and it's him who gives us the power to do that. I'm a part of a church in Singapore. And before it, you know, honestly, before I got connected with the church in Singapore, I often used churches. How do I, what do I mean by that? I used them to do missions. But I had no love for the church. But since becoming connected with the church in Singapore, I realized how absolutely incredible God works through the church. This church, I mean, this church... Thousands of people, but over, over three quarters of the people have been in two years of missions or more on the field. Amen. All the pastors, all the staff in the church have been, have been on the mission for over eight years or more of their life. And they just preach, they say one, they say this, they say they, they've planted 8,000 churches since the early 70s. And of those 8,000 churches they planted, 7,000 or more of them are still in existence and thriving. And this is how they started. This is the foundation by which they started. What could one church do if it was fully committed to the Great Commission? Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah. What could one church do And I don't go to, I don't say this. I've never said this to another church before. But you are the first church I've seen that is anything like this church in Singapore. Got a long ways to go, yeah. And they got a long ways to go. But you have been established pretty much on the same foundation, the same vision. God is going to use this church. Young people, God's going to use you guys. Old people, God's going to use you guys. Job said, if you flatter people, <laughs> he would be killed. <laughs> I don't want to be killed tonight. God, middle-aged people, everyone, children, women, men, foreigners, locals. God wants to use you. that's a whole bayous be bayous man and and I really truly believe that I'm going to end with one more verse Malachi book of Malachi chapter 1 Verse 11. I'm actually going to read this one from the ESV. (laughs) For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. If you grab a hold of what I taught you tonight, no matter how much decadence, no matter how much evil, no matter how much darkness you see in the world, you can stand in this one fact. God's name will be made great in all the earth. And if Malachi could say it at the time when he said it, if you know anything about the book of Malachi, he spoke when there was a small remnant who lost all passion for God, and yet he still says God's name will be made great in all the earth. How much more should we say that now? If we grab a hold of Daniel seven thirteen through 14, and we, it does, how to say this, if we make that the reason we do missions, No matter what opposition, no matter what comes against us, no matter what happens to us. We will not be offended by the people we are going to try to reach because it wasn't about them in the first place. It was about Jesus Christ. But if people are the main reason, just simply people for the sake of people. And you're just like, you have this false presumption that when I go to those people, they're just going to welcome me with open arms and be like, we've been waiting for you forever. That is such a false idea. They don't want to change. They don't want you to come. They are comfortable where they're at. Jesus said to his brothers, you can go to Jerusalem anytime you want, but I cannot because I point out to the people their sins. I make light when it says dark. People hate him because he is the light and they prefer to stay in darkness. Darkness. But when you go to these people and they live in darkness and reject what you have to say first time, second time, third time, one time, --uh, uh, uh, uh. No, i <laughs> Every time you go, every time you go, there is a man, his name was John Patton. I'm going to end with this missionary story. <laughs> John Patton went to the Pacific Islands To islands that were cannibalistic, as pagan as pagan can get, and what? And he was there for how many years? Four years. Didn't see hardly anyone get saved. Left there, losing his wife, his child. Every he left there in what we would call a state of failure went back to went back to his homeland he went to Australia and back to Scotland and I think it was for four five more years. What does he do? He travels everywhere sharing about these people that need Christ what's amazing is the church has listened to him being a failure and he raised up a missions movement that one out of every six ministers in the in in the Scottish Reformed Church or the Scottish Presbyterian Church one out of six people became missionaries on the mission field. One out of six pastors left their job and became missionaries. A failure. And one of his greatest accomplishments wasn't, he went back and he was very successful second time around. A whole nation, came, a whole nation, a whole island came to Christ. And he says, I have claimed the island of Aniwa for who? For Christ. Christ is known here and these people will know who Christ is for all of eternity. But the biggest thing he did was raise people's awareness. Now, if you look at the Pacific Islands, there is hardly a Pacific Island that doesn't have the gospel. There is a few tribes left in in, in Papua New Guinea, but for the most part, those nations are reached. But let me tell you about another place. In the Indian Ocean. Different story. We have the Maldives. Or Maldives. However you want to say it. Sri Lanka. We have um, Pemba. Mafia. Zanzibar. Also known as Nguja. We have the Comoros. Which is Anjuan. Moele. Ngazija, And you've got Mayotte. These islands don't even have hardly have a church. Sri Lanka more so, but the other islands, Maldives, etc. They are scattered believers. Tiny little bits of believers. The island of Anjouan has, ha, ha, has only received one missionary in its entire history on this planet. The island of Mafia has no missionary. And if I could preach one thing tonight... And if you could remember one thing, there are these islands out in the middle of nowhere. Most of them are Muslim minus the Maldives, okay? the, the All these ones along the Swahili coast are Muslim. Not even 0. 0.000 of a percent know who Jesus is. And if I could do one thing here tonight, I would say this: the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the earth as a testimony to all peoples, and then the end shall come. Amen. So my plea to you is this: there is many nations in the world that need the gospel, but there are about eight eight islands on the Swahili coast and along the and there's the archipelago of Mozambique too, that are almost completely unengaged by the gospel. Zanzibar is the only place I can think of where there are a good amount of missionaries. But they're not really engaging the people. There's two missionaries I can think of on that island that are engaging the people. Everyone else is an anathema to the people. Everyone else is they're just waiting, 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 waiting for what? How long will you be there? 20 years, 30 years before you preach the gospel? Waiting, just hoping their lives will be an example to the people. God is calling you as a church. And you want challenges. These islands are challenges. But whether you work with me or you work with somebody else, one plea that I have as a voice for those who are not even crying out to God I'm standing before them. They, do, they are not even asking for this, but I am asking this for them, that you send missionaries to those islands. And if you want to leave a lasting impact for 100, 200, 400 years from now, those islands truly need the gospel. Not all of you, but some of you, I believe are going to go there. And of all the churches, I knew that I came to America to raise awareness, like Patton did, for the islands. But if there's any church that's going to answer that call, I believe it is this church, no other. The others might try, but I really believe that this church has a divine call on them. And I'm sorry if I stepped out of bounds or I stepped out, but I truly believe that deep down in my soul. And if it's somewhere else in the world, so be it. But God wants to use you to make him famous throughout all the earth. And you can go in confidence, believing that God has sent you there with a purpose and in victory. God's name, the kingdom of God is advancing with us or without us. And he wants us to join him in what he is doing. So stand up.